Welcome to Happy Place, the podcast where we get to know some familiar voices a little better. I'm Fern Cotton, and today I'm off to meet one of Britain's biggest young entrepreneurs, the founder of SBTV, Jamal Edwards. Whether you're an old entrepreneur, a young entrepreneur, people unlock their potential at different points mm. in their life. I unlocked mine at 15, someone might unlock theirs at 60. It doesn't matter, everyone sort of is got it in them. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. And now, here's the show. walking through the streets of London today to go and meet up with a very inspirational young man, Mr. Jamal Edwards, MBE, don't you know? He has the most remarkable story. I mean, he started a YouTube channel when he was a teenager, and I guess out of passion, but also for fun, and it's grown into this ridiculous empire where he's looking after musicians, he's scouting new musicians, he has whole business initiatives just rolling out of him constantly. So I really want to quiz him today on what it's taken to get him to that point, the energy involved, the passion, the love, the drive, the determination, and also what he plans to do next, because guess what? He's still only 27. So he has got years and so much knowledge now to put into practice. So let's see where it leads him in life and what other brilliant things he is going to do with his time here on planet Earth. So let's go and knock on the door of a studio around the corner and say hi to Jamal. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? How are you doing? You're right. What's going on? You're right. I'm very well. Hi, you alright? How are you? Yeah, oh, I love your song. There we are. Oh, oh, thank you. Oh, my God. I'm shitting myself sending <laughs> it over. Oh, I, I had a little cry when I watched it for the first oh, time. <laughs> Joining us to begin with was one of Jamal's bright young things, Louis Dunford, who has written a song inspired by the first series of this podcast. So, in another happy place first, we thought we'd open with an exclusive live edition of the track. Here it is. The sun is shining outside But there's a storm in my skull And I was feeling just fine But the drugs and the wine started taking their toll See, my friends were relieved That I was on the mend And my family and me Well, we almost believed I was normal again But then you come along Just like a song That I can't get out of my head Hello, depression 
I guess you're back again So now I'm feeling too much Or I'm not feeling at all And the doctors, they say That a tablet today Makes the demons feel small But my demons feel huge So I drink and I use like before And when I drink, I just think And when I think, I just sink Into your arms once more Because you come along Just like a song That I can't get out of my head Hello, depression I guess you're back again And embrace that you're part of my mind I surrender myself Cause I know that in time I'll be better You're never forever And when the sun is shining outside I'll be feeling just fine my skin, I will fight and I'll win, I'm not yours, you are mine, and when you come along, just like a song, I'll sing for the whole world to see, I've got depression, depression's not got me. Jamal. Hello. <laughs> How you doing? Oh, first of all, thank you for bringing Louis into our lives because that was just dreamy. That song. Proper. And that's written especially for Happy Place, which is so, like, that made my heart hurt. Yeah. So beautiful. So, with an artist like, we're going to talk about this a lot more later, but mm. with an artist like Louis, when mm. you find new talent and you see that magic, what next? How do you start the ball rolling and, and how do you work with an artist? Um, so with Louis, I think it was a guy called Fletcher sent me over a video and I, and I really liked it. So I was like, oh, how it normally works is I'll get in touch with them, um, film a video of them and then I upload it to the YouTube channel. So I think it was about four years ago. It was proper random. I think Louis saying he, a lot of his stuff that he was making was in his bedroom. And I think that was the first video that he did outside of his own videos that he was making. So he did When We Were Hooligans, put it up and absolutely like blew up. Everyone loved it, everyone related to it. And then I sort of built a relationship with him from there. Well, that was so special. I can't thank you enough for that. Um, and we're going to talk more about new artists and music and your passion about that in a bit. But first of all, let's go back to the first time we properly met Jamal, which in <laughs> classic Jamal style was at Buckingham Palace, which for me <laughs> was like really exciting. And for you is like... 
here again, no, whatever. No, 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 that, no that was, it was a good... It's mad how many times I've been back to the palace mm. now. But yeah, I remember that, actually. It was it was a good day. That was one of my mm. first times I've, I've been as well. So, oh, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it was good good fun. I'm actually going back in a few weeks as well. Of course you are. For the um, Princess Trust Ambassador reception. Are you, are you going as well? Oh, I am going to yes, that, I think. Yes, you are. So, yes, yeah, I'll bougie see you again there. at the palace. But this is all new for me. This is very much your second <laughs> home now, Jamal. Let's rewind, because, you know, we're going to talk about the MB and all that jazz. Mm. But let's go right back to the start. So you're a teenager, you're 15, mm-hmm. when you first decide to start uploading artists and I'm guessing friends at this point yeah. that you knew were good mm-hmm. onto YouTube when did you sort of first of all get that idea to do it what in what inspired that idea and and what was that drive that propelled you to kind of make it a regular thing my mum was an x-factor second series she got I think it was fourth place and I was going there every week and I think that was when I got the camera for Christmas I think like my mum had looked my parents had a bit more money um from that and it sort of a bit of it was inspired by um her not getting through and then me going I wanted to create a platform I was proper upset I wanted to create a platform for artists to sort of get their videos on the channel and a lot of my mates in my area wasn't in the mainstream media either. So I was like, let me try and create a YouTube channel and upload their videos online. So a lot of it was down to that frustration of not being able to watch the artists that I wanted to see. What's so interesting, though, is like a lot of other people might have gone, oh, I'm so angry that my mum didn't go any further. Yeah. And then that would be it. They would yeah. just carry on with their lives. But but you had like a burning desire that you wanted to rectify this and you yeah. wanted to find another outlet. And that's yeah. I think that's quite extraordinary. That yeah. was in you already. Yeah, it's funny because I didn't put my mum on SB until four years later, I think it was. So <laughs> and the music that I was filming wasn't necessarily my mum's sort of music. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they inspired it. And, and my parents have always been quite supportive of me from back in the day. Um, and I've always wanted to sort of better their lives as well. So that also had inspired uh, inspired me as well. So you, you've naturally got a lot of drive, you would say. Yeah, yeah, I think definitely. And coming from the area where I'm from, you don't really get a lot of role models that we can look at. So like one of my early role models was Richard Branson. Um, and that was because my mum used to work for Virgin. She was a pay- accounts payable manager. And I remember he had an open day in Oxford, I think it was, and the rides were free, bumper cars was free. And I was like, why? Like, everything was free. And mm. I was like, well, how is this even possible? And then that's when I got to know about Richard Branson and started researching about him. And I was like, I'd love to be able to do that for my friends one day, people that work for me and be able to support them as well. It's crazy that then you went and actually did that. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Because yeah, that's, yeah. that's not normal. There's a few people that will go from having an idea or being inspired by, like you say, it could be one person you meet or an idea or one moment. Mm. And... You know, but to go from that to actually it happening mm-hmm. is crazy. And I want to talk more about that in a moment. But first of all, once you've started, you've worked out initially what SBTV is, you know what you're doing mm-hmm. and the platform you're, you want to create. Mm-hmm. What moment, what sort of seminal moment did you reach where you went, oh my God, people are really into this. People are watching, the numbers are up and mm-hmm. this is actually something. This isn't just me doing this for fun. This is turning into a real thing now. Yeah, I think it started off when I was in West London it was really no, well known around my school. Then I went around my mates. And then when people started, I've had loads of oomph moments, class them as oomph moments, where when people started getting in contact with me from other areas, that's where I was like, oh my God, I've got a business. Mm. And I was working in Top Man for about four years because I couldn't afford tapes and, and stuff for my camera. So I was um, working in Top Man, getting the money from that, putting it back into production. And I feel like when 
I left top man that was another moment where I was like okay people used to come into I used to work in Westfield or I used to work in the Elan one like coming taking pictures of me my managers didn't understand who are you what are you doing <laughs> people like chasing me around the shop floor asking for videos I'm like I'm working and that really like that really just made me every time I think people recognise me I go to the back of the house and like chill until they go away and that and that's when like all these moments that happened in the early days real, made me realise like wow people like what I'm doing and I feel like the first major moment, because back in the day, my parents were supportive and they weren't supportive. So they used to ground me because I used to go out and try and film videos all the time and come back home late. But it was the Google Chrome advert that happened, I think, in 2011. Mm. And that came on like the first ad break of X Factor. It was like a big one. And from there, it was like my parents' friends was like, your son's on TV. And I was like, oh, wow. So what Jamal is actually doing up in his bedroom for hours on end is actually something. And then that sort of had a, a good moment for Yeah, me weren't as well. you sort of one of the most Googled people that, yeah, that week or something? Yeah, it was or crazy. something ridiculous. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, and I feel like, because the, the other people that was on the advert that done it outside of Europe was Justin Bieber and Lady Gaga. So I no wasn't in bad, I wasn't in bad <laughs> company. So when things started to kick off mm. and you knew it had turned into a business, how did you approach it differently to how you had previously? Um, so a lot of it, it was underground. So when I first started, it was just MCs and rappers. And then it was ones in my local area. Then it went to ones that were outside of London. Um, and then it went all across London and outside of London. And then it went outside of the UK. And it got to the point where I was filming all the MCs, the grime scene, rap, all of that, um, hip hop. And I was like, okay, I've done this. Let me try and think what else I can do singers-wise. Um, and that's how I, ch- I changed my business. So after that, I think like it was the first sort of singers that I filmed was like Ed Sheeran, Maverick Saber, um, Emily Sande, Jesse J, Rita Ora. That's and- ridiculous that you say that list so casually, but that is insane. Yeah. They're like the biggest artists in our country. That's mad. Yeah, so it started off, I found I got on them early. And I mm. think that's what a lot of people liked. That changed the whole business to make it a little bit more like commercial and mainstream because then people was like, oh, wow, these artists that you've put on the channel years ago, they're getting big now. And um, that also helped in in the journey as well. Mm. So when you were first starting out and you chose to put it on YouTube because you could have done other things, you know, I don't know, used social media was new at the time, but mm. blogging was big or whatever. But you sort of saw this gap within YouTube mm. and and music being represented on there mm. and also new artists being represented. Had you sort of actually formed a conscious idea that, you know, this is my route because no one else is doing it? Or was it kind of chance that led um, you to do it? Yeah, because the reason a lot of it was um, there was um, old school DVDs that used to go to Wembley Market, like Practice Hours, Risky oh, Roads. I used to go to Wembley Market. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. weird. <laughs> so I thought I was the it's only weird. one. It's weird. You see places like that, you get people from different cultures, but going to the same place yeah, yeah, from yeah. back in the day. I find that fascinating. But mm. I, I went there for uh, DVDs and because the DVDs were ripped and they were on YouTube, there wasn't really original music content on YouTube. So I was like, wow, there's a gap. Mm. And YouTube was a year old when I when I signed up. And I was like, once I found the gap, I was like, oh my God, I've got to carry on. Mm. Um, and that's what spurred it. It was a bit of being in the right place at the right time, but also being consistent and knowing exactly what you want. And also having guts because, you know, YouTube being so young and you being a teenager, mm-hmm. you've got to have some serious guts to go, well, I'm going to do this and I've mm. got the confidence to do it. And, mm. you know, no one else is doing it. So, hello, I'll do it over here. I think that takes a lot of courage because yeah. 
it's quite a vulnerable place to be. You know, you're putting yourself out there. You're mm. doing something really new in a new medium. Mm. You've got to go for it. To have that self-belief. Yeah. I've always said that self-belief is so important. So definitely. where does that come from for you? Is that naturally, inst- is it from your parents? Do you just have that self-confidence? Um, I think over the years it's grown with me, but I've always been just curious to everything and I, and I like taking calculated risks. So the self-belief has grown over the years, but I've always said I've, it's... Everyone has self-belief in them. It just depends when you unlock it. And I feel like everyone, whether you're an old entrepreneur, a young entrepreneur, people unlock their potential at different points Mm. in their life. I unlocked mine at 15. Someone might unlock theirs at 60. It doesn't matter. Everyone sort of is great in them. And it's just about finding what it is that unlocks that. Does that remain consistent? Or if you are having a time at work where things aren't going your way Mm -hmm. or a particular project that you believe in isn't received as you think it might, does Mm -hmm. that affect your self-esteem? Yeah, it does. Like, I think when I first started up, um, when I took that risk of uploading singers onto the channel, I was very scared. I Mm. was like, oh my gosh, this is not what my audience originally subscribed to me for. But I was like, I want to expand people's um, knowledge like I want to be able to educate them in a way like I've even had an artist called Strome on SB he, he's a French speaking Belgian artist um, but he's amazing and I filmed him and he people was like oh my god you've opened my mind to something so new and that's what inspires me to keep what else can I do sort of thing and that's that's what has spurred me on over the years so risk taking is quite a big part of it as Definitely. well then I think you've got to take risks because if you don't Ooh. take risks you're never going to know like, and you're never going to really expand what it is that you want to do I think that's really important and, I, and I'm imagining from what I know of you that's again a natural quality that you have like risk taking is there but mm. I think for a lot of people it's beyond terrifying to do anything outside of the box mm. or to go, I'm going to take a chance because they'll either second guess what other people's reactions might mm. be or they are scared of failure. Mm. Do you step into new arenas just believing the good is going to happen or mm. is there moments where you think, oh God, I'm not too sure about this, but I'm going to do it anyway? Yeah, I have moments of doubt all the time. It's not always confident going forward even when I'm filming new videos or like doing interviews I still sweat and just my (laughs) mind is on like just buzzing um so yeah it's not it's not always forward but I do try and take as many risks as I can planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. And we've seen you over the last, what is it, 12 years now? Yeah, so yeah, 11, 11, 10, yeah, 11, 11. 11 years. Yeah, but we've, you know, for, as an outsider, we've seen you have this idea, it become very successful, and then for it to grow and grow. Mm. Has it been as as sort of fluid as we think, or have there been big moments of failure or, or obstacles in your yeah, way? Yeah, there's been loads of moments of uh, failure and hiccups. One thing I do say is to learn about your VAT, your tax and your receipts is so important. <laughs> like that is for new businesses, yeah. it's so important. And I feel like we don't really get taught that in school. Yes. I don't get taught that in school. I, I learn everything outside, like human skills, personable skills. Um, I learn outside of school. Um, but yeah, like there's been times where I've wanted to give up. Like there was a, there's a story that happened when 
so I was in Camden Roundhouse and I was waiting. Like, I think everyone was there, like Dr. Dre. Um, who else was there? Like, I think like Lady Gaga, Cheryl Cole. Everyone was there. And I was standing on the side of the stage and I was like, I'm not leaving until I get a picture with Dre. I got a picture of Dre, put it online. And then, like, the following week, uh, Beats by Dre got in touch and they was like, uh, we've seen social in the UK like we'd love to work with you so I was like alright cool they then said do you want to come on tour in Asia for a week to launch Beats in Asia so in my head I'm like yeah alright I told my parents like no you're not going like college school like oh. stay in your st- stay in your study so obviously I'm, I talked to them around and I literally packed up my bags and left the following week we went to Asia Singapore Taiwan we went everywhere um, and it was Jimmy Iovine Snoop Dogg Will I Am this is insane it was, it was mad so the story so this is what happened and this is the thing about asking for help mm. I I was absolutely excited I didn't think about anything I just packed my bags took my camera and went what I should have done is ask them, um, ask for help. Like, I need a producer, a director to assist me. So basically, I went on a trip, touring, amazing, bonding with them, showing them artists from the UK. It was, like, an unreal trip. And I was filming all this amazing content, and basically, my hard drive failed. And I didn't have no backup, and I was out there. And this was, like, this is, like I was so disheartened. I was, like, I came back to the UK. I was, like, I'm giving up because all the content that I filmed, they're not going to think I'm professional, all this sort of stuff. And one of the things that I learned from that is obviously to back up content, but don't be afraid to ask for help. Mm. And because I'm just actually excited that it's Beats by Dre and I'm like, I, I want to show them I could do it myself, that was the mistake that I made. And I had some of the footage, I've still got a little bit of footage, but I lost so much of, of the footage. It was just like, nice oh beyond, beyond like, gutting. Like, yeah. I want to puke up for it's you. It's still I'm now, so today, I, I still like... Still hurts me to this day, but like I've always said, um, and I, I did go for a part where I was just like proper. I was just like, nah, forget this. Um, but then I got into the mindset of, okay, this has happened, but I'm gonna have to build my relationship back, and one day I will go out there and build with them again. Um, and I did. So I went to LA and I was on set with Dre and Kendrick Lamar for their shoot. But at that moment, it was just like, I didn't, I couldn't really put it into words. I think when you're going through it, because I've been through moments like that in my work and my life, you mm. think everyone else is doing so well and everyone's succeeding. They don't have to go through all this bollocks. But absolutely everybody, especially in a creative industry, mm. who puts themselves out there will have experienced something like that, which mm. is a moment and you can't forget about it. And you could be having a great day, then all of a sudden, bang, in comes to your head a picture of you and Jimmy Iovine and you not having the content for it. Yeah. That will always be, and I've got my own version of that, and it's there, mm. and there's nothing you can do about it. You've just got to carry, carry on. Carry on. How important do you think those moments of you know, failure or those moments where things don't go your way? How important is that to building a business and to being a successful person? Yeah, I think it humbles you, but also it's so important you have those moments because you learn from it. Like now, I've got hard drives upon hard drives, backups of backups. And I'd rather it happen there early in my career than happen at a later stage of my career. So that, that it is so important you have that those moments, 100%. So now you've gone from being your own boss and creating this amazing empire that you are now king of, but you're also boss to other people. How did you find that change? Because that's not something that oh, you yeah. learn at so school either. A, yeah, that's another thing. So when I first started, everyone that I employed was older than me. So I found it very daunting to direct people, mm. if I'm honest. And people didn't really know that. People just look at it and be like, 
oh yeah, young boss. But when you've got people that are older than you and you're obviously I, I did and you're telling them what to do, I've always been taught to respect your elders. I'm not saying that I'm going to talk like, in a rude way, no. but it's like, it's quite like, when you've got a team of people and you're the youngest, it's just like, how do you deal with that? And that was a thing that I had to deal with, like delegation, because I'm qu- quite a control freak and I wanted to do everything. I wanted to be on every shoot. I wanted to edit. I wanted to do all that. But that that stopped me from scaling the business quicker when I when I was first starting. So yeah, it was daunting, like employing people and getting them like to do certain things for SB. They was all for it, but it was just a direction that I needed to build in myself to be able to do that. And I guess that moment of letting go and letting other people have control and when that's your baby and that's your thing, yeah. that's quite excruciating yeah, to is, do that. Yeah, it is, it is. And that was a big hurdle that I had to overcome. Obviously, to have something as successful as SBTV and everything that you do is, isn't just, you know, a bit of luck and you're in the right place at the right time. It is an insane amount of work Mm -hmm. and I imagine that that includes out of the normal working hours weekends you know what is your work ethic and and how has that changed over the years um 24 7 and there have been times where I've just so for example when I was in college I was working in college and then was working in top man and then I was doing SB so it was like I'd leave college go to top man then on the bus home I'd edit and then try and upload by the time I go to bed, and that was a, that was really long hours, um, and that's been long hours for so many years. And it's like some part of me is like I haven't like didn't have a life, and it was just twenty four seven. But it opened a lot of doors. So like I I got my first like proper job in the BBC um, via my YouTube channel. I don't think I would have ever got into the BBC if I didn't have my YouTube channel because they saw my YouTube channel. Then I was an assistant producer on BBC Three, and stuff like that also helped like add to my career as well and so how do you get that balance now because you know you're still the boss and you're the boss of you you're Mm. the one that's saying right let's try something new or let's expand further you're calling the shot so how do you get that balance and or are you okay sacrificing bits of social life or just downtime because Mm. you love what you do so much yeah I think that is a lot you do I do sacrifice but I don't think for the past 10 years I've uh, been without being on social media or on my phone or just around the business for more than a week. Mm. So, like, when you think about it like that, it's, like, I'm proper in it. But I've said this year, or at least before I'm 30, like, to to take some downtime and, and go back to the homeland, St. Vincent, and, and just be away from everything. Mm. Um, and I haven't done that because I've been so lost in it. So when you were having particularly stressful times with work, and that, I'm imagining, all comes from the place of you caring about it so much. Mm-hmm. You just want it to be amazing. Yeah. And you're, that's, that's the stress, because I get that all the time. I, I care about a project so much. And I work until I'm knackered, and I'm trying to look after the kids, and I want this thing to be so brilliant. And that creates a lot of tension. How do you deal with that in life? How do you sort of mitigate that worry and physical stress? So what, I, I was in the gym quite a lot, so that releases a lot of stress for me. And cycling, I like cycle a lot, so that, that also releases a lot of stress. But my passion and why I wake up every day is like just new music, new artists, mm. that excites me. And, and in a way, that's sort of a release when I'm re- listening to music, because it just, it just gets me thinking, it inspires me. So, but I think in terms of physical, physical mental health life, it's uh, gym and eating well. Recently, I've 
started cooking a lot more as well. I find that very therapeutic. It's mad. Mm. And reading books. I've got a book. I, I, I don't read books enough. So I was reading this book. I Escape from the World. Yeah. Like, and it's underrated. Like, I feel like, yeah, actually reading physical books, it, it makes me escape. I think that's such a big one. Like, for me, my books are my everything. Mm. And I... You know, I haven't got like this huge empire like you've got going on, but I've got a lot of projects. But I've got a lot of I'm not hanging out at Dots Straight, but I've got a lot of juggling and I'm and I want it to be and I'm a perfectionist, I'm a Virgo and I and I'm I love, a Virgo. Come what on. Day? What date? August the twenty fourth. Oh, I'm third of September. The third, to, oh yeah. yeah. I'm like on the cusp You're of like Leo. Leo. Virgo. Yeah, 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 you've got yeah, that yeah, bit yeah. of need to be sent to stage vibes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. So I love it and I love what I do. And I think a lot about that balance of you know, I don't go out or mm. do much social stuff, but mainly because I'm knackered and I've got kids, but mm. also because I've chosen that in the evenings I like to either read because that's my escapism or I want to, I'm excited. I want to write the new bit of my book or I want to jot down some ideas for something to do with Happy Place and, mm. and I'm buzzed about it. And, and then I'm sometimes thinking to myself, should I be just sort of having some downtime? And, mm. and also, you know, you are living proof that you don't have to study a manual about being an entrepreneur. You don't have to go and do a degree. You can live it. And mm-hmm. you, you did that. Like mm-hmm. you learned as you went from age 15 to where you're at now mm-hmm. how to be an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And you've done it really successfully. I've done it backwards, though. You've done it backwards. Yeah, That's I feel fine. Like, yeah, yeah. Like I've, 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 like I've done the brand building, like the brand and... The business side, I'm still learning a lot about it and I feel like I could do a lot more. Mm. Um, and that, and that's something that, as me, I've got to realise that I can't think that, oh, I've done everything sort of thing, but I'm, I'm appreciative of where I am today. But I know there's a lot more that I can do. Yeah, but that's good because I think as soon as you go, yeah, I'm done, I'm really successful, then mm. well, what do you do next? Mm-hmm. I think, you know, that reinvention's really important yes, as well, I guess. Yes, that's what I'm doing now, like, mm. literally. Um, so, like, with the artists that I've been featuring recently, like, whether it's, like, the Dave, the Jay Hosses, the Nadia Roses, I will always try and find the next talent and, and build them. And, and for me, when I started, it was putting artists onto mainstream media. So artists, so, like, whether it's a podcast or content, I feel like there's certain rules that you have for it to be shareable, like... I have a funny, entertaining, not covered by mainstream media, scary, inspiring. I think there's like one other thing. And if you can tick like a couple of those boxes, mm. it's good. And I feel like I was always trying to do that. But I feel like my next step of SB is going to be these, like, you see me, I love music, I live, breathe music, but I'm not an artist. It's like the same with you. Yeah. Right? And there's I can't other sing, people. I just got to talk about it. Exactly. <laughs> so we, we, the people that might not be in our fortunate uh, positions, I want to bring them through. So as well as bringing the artists through, I want to bring these bloggers, these comedians, the people that love music but might not have the platform to get on. And that's I feel like that's the, next, that's the next step that I want to do. That's the next thing. And do you think a bit of that's driven by the fact that, you know, that was you. You, you wanted to do it. You wanted to, you were new. You were excited. You were fresh, but you didn't know what you were doing next. So it's important for you. You're sort of a mentor to these people now and, mm. and showing them. Are you kind of, I guess, teaching them what you've learned over the last 11 years? And yeah. And trying to remove them. the entry points as well because, mm people don't know where the entry points are these days and I feel like if I can help them I'm all about putting people on that it's not about like money or all this people get lost in that yeah um so I just want to put people on and if I can connect people I'm all about connecting worlds as well but that's why you're successful I think as soon as you start thinking I want to be famous I want to have this car and it's all these sort of exterior goals Mm -hmm. 
you lose your focus. And I think because you are so focused on an acute thing, which is new music or mm. new newness, new mm. talent, new people, new funny, new sound, whatever, because mm. you're so focused on that, mm. that's your goal. And you mm. can do and you know you can do it. I think yeah. if you get sidetracked, and I've seen people do it myself, mm. you know, in the line of work I'm in, and they start veering off. And then you're like, no, don't go over there. And then they've gone and mm. you sort of lose them. But mm. you're so focused on that and passionate about that yeah definitely because I feel as as the years have gone gone by and I've seen whether it's people that are filmed go into great things or get signed or managed by someone or people even behind the scenes the people that actually work for me have gone on to work for Selfridges Beats by Dre have gone on to set up their own business um, businesses gone to work for ITV News and before that that SB was their stepping stone and I've always looked at it as a stepping stone for artists but also a stepping stone for people that work for me and I feel like as that's happened over the years it's just gone like wow I I was very I wanted to keep hold of everyone like you're not going nowhere like you're here (laughs) Um, but I've realised it's about you've I'm I'm an entry point and if you've been at SB and you've done certain things at SB to other brands they're like oh wow like come over here Mm. so I I believe I'm a stepping stone and and more days in more ways than one well, it's incredibly generous to to have that outlook but it's completely right you know mm. you it's such a lovely thing that you're doing and it's all about helping and and inspiring as well because you're still building your brand and you want it to expand and get bigger so you've mm. still got that work ethos what are your working mantras and your sort of rules that you like to live by to to make to ensure that you continue on this path um, so one of them was, which I got from when, when I was fortunate enough to go on tour with Dr. Dre, was looking after the three Bs, which is your base, your body and your business. So your base is like the people that are around you, your close friends and your family, make sure they're fine. Your body, like eating right, exercise, because obviously you're working a lot, so you need to make sure you look after your body and your business. So your business, just in terms of keeping it on point, making sure you're always trying to take risks, pioneering, trying new things out. For example, uh, Queen got a film coming out at the end of the year. I've had links to Queen because of my mum. She was a uh, uh, killer queen and we were rocky for like four years. Um, so I sent a message to them. I was like, look, let's do a video on a channel around that. And in my head, I'm thinking, this it will go well. Um, but I'm like, I love to take new risks like that. So I'm going to get some singers to do covers of Queen songs yes. and then Brian May and Roger Taylor are going to watch it and then like review it so like stuff oh like that that's, and I've put it to their management and they're pretty keen on it so we're just going through artists at the moment so fingers crossed I'm talking it into the existence but stuff like that I always like to try new things mm. out and that's what I think's always put me and SB above is that I'm not afraid to try new challenges. And that's mm. in terms of the three Bs. So that's in terms of the business. What on earth does your mum think about all this now? Like, she must be <laughs> bursting with pride. Yeah, I feel, when I took her... So I took my mum, my, my dad and my sister when I got my MBE. Um, and it was funny because I got it at the same time as Joan Collins did. Oh, and yeah, yes. Yeah, I've, still, I've still got... That's, I've lost that picture. Like, oh, I no. got a picture of her. It's she, a theme. Yeah, it it's was like... She, I, my one was like a little MBE and she got, she, she's a dame now. So mm. she had like... Big one. I was like, yeah, um, I need to find that picture. But that was a good fun day, and I feel like when I can bring my parents and uh, mm. my close ones along to stuff like that, it really makes me think, wow, like I'm I'm actually doing 
stuff and they're just oh they're so proud of like oh my god like oh my god I've just seen a picture in my head of my mum like taking it and just holding it and I was just like yeah um, but yeah that, those are proud moments as well I yeah. bet you're so going to get knighted one day oh yeah I, I that's happening <laughs> I don't know I've foreseen it I don't know. it's we'll so see. happening I need to, so I need, to, happening. need to do some more work I feel uh, well you're only what you're 27 yeah yeah I'm 25 I mean, for the next five years but sure, got yeah you. I'm 27 I mean you've got <laughs> And you've done so much. And because you're so tapped into newness, mm-hmm. you're just going to like keep travelling into the future and be ahead of everyone. That's so exciting. Yeah, I feel like collaboration is the key to success. Mm. So I, I, all I can keep on doing is living every day like it's my last, but trying to better my life and those that are around me, whether it's the artists and the people that I'm working with, definitely. So awesome. Well, look, thank you for your time. I'm sure it's limited in your no, insane schedule. Oh, so fun, No, I'm so happy to <laughs> no, sit and chat to you. you. No, and thank thanks you. for Louis coming in because that yeah, made me actually cry and legend. was so beautiful. Thank you, Louis. Thank you. And I want to know what Louis's doing next so I can keep up with his music. 100%. But thank you so thank much. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. What a pleasure to speak to Jamal and to hear this wonderful track by Louis Dunford. It's just so gorgeous. Go check him out at SBTV. If you've enjoyed this episode, why not write us a review on Apple Podcast? That helps others find the show and lets me know what you're enjoying about the series. So go do it now. Next week, we meet my lovely friend, Wanda Canton. I don't know. I think I have confidence in a certain way that I have, you know, the same kind of nerves and anxiety as anyone else. It's just kind of maybe knowing that for me, it's important to embrace that fear. Get that interview as soon as it's available when you subscribe. It's free to do on any number of apps. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher and more. Just search for Happy Place and hit subscribe. A huge thanks again to Jamal, thanks to Louis, thanks to our producer Matt Hill at Rethink Audio, and to you lot for listening. Ta, see you soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.